Hey everyone, Wilson Cochran here. You are in for a treat. This past weekend, we had Putty Putman, um, our good friend and the founder of School of Kingdom Ministry out of Vineyard Church of Central Illinois. He was here and he shared a powerful word for us called Walking Through Chaos. Um, it's out of Psalm 23, and it really speaks to the cultural climate and what's going on in our world today. So I hope you enjoy this message and look up Putty Putman for more information on his resources. He has some amazing books and amazing products. Thanks, guys. Well, good morning, friends. That's, a, that's, a, that's an awesome looking conference video you guys got there. I know, I'll be there. That's gonna be a lot of fun. Oh, it's so good to be here with you guys. Um, as, as Van said, um, you know, we've been in, in relationship for, for a long time uh, at this point, and I consider you guys like church cousins of mine. Uh, you know, I, I usually am a couple of states away, but I just, I love you guys. And um, I don't know if you guys know this, Illinois actually has the slowest reopening plan of any of the 50 states. And so this is actually my first church experience. I, I haven't had the chance to, to be in a church gathering since uh, about mid-March. And uh, it's just so good, like to worship together, like I've been missing that for like three months. And so I'm really, really glad that I get to share that uh, with you guys uh, together today. Um, you know, that video was actually uh, a brilliant introduction to uh, what it is that I want to, to talk about this year, or uh, this, uh, this morning. Uh, maybe this year. I hope not the entire year. We'll, we'll see. Um, but, uh, you know, like th th that video put it perfectly. You know, 2020 feels like this is a crazy year of the world spinning into chaos, doesn't it? It totally does. And, um, you know, some of you were actually at uh, our, our conference, which we squeezed in just barely before the world fell apart. Um, in, in late February this year, and I actually shared something, and some of you can, can testify to this, I shared that um, the Lord told me at the beginning of 2020 that this was going to be a year of chaos. And um, did, did I say that? I said that right? I'm not making that up, right? Um, you know, anyone who prophesies in hindsight, you should just like write a really big question mark over them. Uh, but they can, they can testify. I said it then. Um, and, uh, you know, for those of you who listened and for those of you who are listening to me now, you're probably like, oh gosh, I'm never listening to anything Putty ever says again. Um, and I just want to say, I'm never asking for a word for the Lord uh, for a year again. Like we, we, I've learned the lesson. We're not going there. Um, but yeah, this year, this year is really crazy, isn't it? Um, and you know, I, I saw this uh, a calendar image on social media, which I thought was was funny. It was a, a leaked calendar of 2020, and so um, if you look at that, you know, the first six months look 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 about accurate, and then you can see well, what we have coming up next. Here we we've got a solar flare, and then Yellowstone's going to erupt. The aliens will show up in September. Obviously, you know, we'll have a pandemic relapse, and then you know, in December, probably the world will end. Um, and obviously, hopefully none of that is true. You know, I'm not speaking that over the church but, or over our world. But, um, you know, it's like, it's kind of like if we can't laugh about it, we'll probably cry because this year is, is just, I mean, if we're honest, it's crazy, isn't it? Like it's, I don't know about you, but I, I find myself feeling emotionally exhausted. You know, like I put the calendar up and, and hopefully we laugh about that. 
But there's almost a little bit of a reality to the fact that like, after six months of this, that's kind of how I find myself feeling. Like, well, what's next? You know, like in two weeks, something crazy is going to happen again. Here we have like a dust cloud headed this way or something. You know, it's like, it's, it's like you couldn't make this up. This sounds like a comic book at this point. You know, like this is just kind of like what 2020 is like. And, and I think it's okay for us to pause, you know, this morning and just like admit this is hard. This is really hard. And if you're not exhausted, you're doing a lot better than I am because I'm exhausted. But, you know, in, in the turbulence and in the up and down that 2020 has been, of course, fortunately, we know God is having a great 2020, right? Like, like he doesn't feel the concern and the uncertainty that we do. He, he's not losing sleep at night over what's happening next. And, and he's like, 2020 is a great year. He loves 2020. And so, you know, we find ourselves in this really weird paradox where like our, our natural circumstances, our, our natural stuff, we've got all of this up and down and we're exhausted and we're frustrated and we're tired. And meanwhile, God is walking right next to us and walking with us. And he's kind of like in this totally different place internally that than most of us may be finding ourselves. And what I wanna talk about today is this, how do we walk through God not through God, gosh, how do we walk with God through seasons of chaos like this? You know, at, at first, I think it's, it's easy to want to just, like, ask God to take all the chaos away. Like, do you guys remember, like, when COVID first, first hit? And everybody's like, we're going to pray, and this thing's going to be done in two weeks. You remember that? I mean, at least that's what we were like. I don't know if that's what you guys were like, but knowing you guys, I think you were probably like that too. We're going to make some declarations and this thing's going to be gone by Easter, right? We were all kind of in that place, right? And it's good to pray that way. I'm certainly not trying to discourage that. We need to be praying that God will move his hand in a mighty way. Um, but, you know, here a few months later, that isn't how it's panned out so far. <laughs> and so how do we walk through the season that we are finding ourselves in? Suppose that 2020 actually is a year of chaos and there's nothing we can do to change that. Well, then, then what do we do? How do we walk with God through this season? I think one of the challenges, maybe one of the threats, I could say, of a season of chaos is that it's very natural for us to kind of lower the bar of our success for 2020 to be just surviving. You know, it's like my goal for 2020 is to live till 2021, <laughs> right? Like that can, that can really easily be our goal. And the truth is, is like, there's a part of me that's kind of in that place at this point, isn't it? Like, like if we're honest, it's just like, I'm just gonna hold on until this is all over, right? And, and I think that that's totally natural. I'm not trying to uh, point fingers if that's where we're at. I'm at that place in, in a lot of ways as well. But I, I think one of the things that's important to realize is when, whenever you lower your, your goal to like the lowest possible bar, you're never going to make like forward motion, right? So like, let me give a financial analogy. If my financial goal is to keep $10 in my checking account so that I don't hit overdraft fees... Like that would be a goal that I could have. And it's better to have $10 and not have overdraft fees 
than it is to hit the overdraft fees. That's good. But I'm not going to be making forward motion in my finances if my target is to avoid overdraft fees. Right? And similarly, if our target in 2020 is to survive, we're setting a sort of avoid the overdraft fees goal for this year. And what I, what I think is a shame about that is this. We know that God is like totally active and totally doing things in every situation, in every circumstance in our lives, correct? So I, I've got a hypothesis for us. We'll see if this plays out this way or not. But it sure feels to me like 2020 may wind up being a unique year in our lives. Like, can you imagine in 2025, looking back over the past 10 years and not having 2020 stick out like a sore thumb? <laughs> like, be like, yeah, there's something weird that year. You know, like, I think, I think this is actually going to be a unique year, maybe for like the entirety of our life, right? And, and if that's the case, then here's what that means for us. God's doing things in 2020 that he will probably never be doing another year in our life. There's things on the table for us in 2020 that we'll never get another pass at. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to get those things. And, and when, when I look at the situation that way, that gives me a goal for 2020 that's not just survival. My goal is to come out of 2020 with all the unique things that I can only get this year in my connection with the Lord. See, our goal does not need to be just survival. In, in Romans 12, you know, there's that verse that we quote the first half of all the time, right? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we often just stop there, right? But look at the back half. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The result of renewing our mind is that we ought to be able to identify the will of God, to say that's the will of God. Not that it's this mysterious, vague thing out there. God has a will and, you know, who knows what it is and all of that. Like, yeah, that's probably where we should start. But as our mind is actually renewed, eventually we should be able to say, that's God's will. And if we can do that, then we can do that in this year. And we can set our goal to be, my goal for 2020 is to walk God's will for 2020. And if I do that, I know I'm going to come out of this year in a totally different place than I went in. So how do we do that? <laughs> what does that actually look like? Well, to, to kind of unpack that, I want to look at um, one of the more famous Psalms in the Bible and walk through it carefully. Uh, we're going we're gonna to read Psalm uh, 23. Now, as we go in, Psalm 23 is often gets depicted like this. You guys ever see a photo like this? It's often like on a Christian calendar, you know, that winds up getting tacked up on your fridge or something like this. And, 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 and you know, maybe it's not this. Maybe it's a, a picture of a, of a mountain or sometimes there's a picture of like a shepherd holding a sheep or something. But, but the, the imagery is always somewhat akin to like a, a God-given spiritual vacation. 
And, and as we look at this psalm, and as we work our way through it, what I want to suggest is that image completely misses the point of the psalm. So, so I wanna, as we go in, I want you to know that's actually not what this is going to look like. And we're going to see why we think that, and we're going to see what the actual image actually probably should be in our mind. And so with that, we're going to take uh, Psalm 23 um, and look uh, close, close to verse by verse and work our way through it. So here's where it begins. Psalm 23, first of all, a psalm of David. So David has written this, and we're going we're gonna to keep that in the back of our mind as we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So David is writing this psalm. And from the very get-go, David is drawing off his own experience. Remember, David was a shepherd. So he's saying, I know the way God treats me because it's the way that I used to treat the sheep that I would oversee. God is my shepherd. And he talks about some of the things that God does. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. This is where we get the, the vacation picture, right? Oh, green pastures, rolling hills, you know, still waters. The still waters part is important because sheep can only drink still water. They can't drink like bubbling brook. It's got to be still for them to be able to drink it. And so um, what David is saying is he's saying, God is providing for me all the things that I need. And he's painting it in the metaphor of what sheep need, right? What do sheep need? Green pastures and still waters, right? And then he begins to unpack the equivalent for you and I to what sheep have in green pastures and still waters. And he says this, he restores my soul. So God restoring our soul, that's our green pastures and still waters. And then he, he begins to kind of unpack and open what restoring our soul looks like. And he begins with this. He says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, when, when you read that, I go, oh, leads in a path of righteousness. What is a path of righteousness? That's kind of an interesting thought. You know, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, he's going to unpack it. He's going to talk about what it is to walk after God in a path of righteousness. And he begins that with the next verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Wait, wait, wait. A path of righteousness walks through the valley of the shadow of death? This is not the green pastures Christian vacation that I was envisioning. In fact, I would suggest that the image might look something more like this. There's an image I, that's the valley of the shadow of death. That's Psalm 23. It's not, it's, it's not, it's not the rolling hills. This is what Psalm 23 is saying. And what David says is that somehow that is what begins to restore my soul. So he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. And look at this. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So, so this, is really, this is really, in my opinion, like profound and challenging. 
What, what is a path of righteousness that God leads us through that restores our soul? It's a path that is so frightening and so scary at times that death itself is casting a shadow on you. I feel like that's actually kind of an apt description for this year, isn't it? Death itself feels like it's casting a shadow on our lives, doesn't it? And, you know, I, I think one thing that we can do sometimes is like we know God is good and God is only doing good things in our lives and in working good things in this world, right? We, we can agree on that, right? Like, like God is not the problem with this world. <laughs> There's someone else that's the problem with this world, okay? So we know God is only doing good things, but, but then what we can do is we can kind of put right next to that the fact that I like to be comfortable. And so I can kind of put the two and two together and say, well, God would, would never be doing anything in my life that involves some of my discomfort. <laughs> right? So it's real easy. It's real easy to, make, to, to, to make that, that jump. But, but the thing is, is that one of, one of the things I've observed, and I think if you look at your own life, you'll see this is probably true for you too, is that like, I don't grow when I'm comfortable. Like, think, think about the hardest thing that you've done in your life. What, whatever that is. I, I, I don't know what it is for you. I'll, I'll pick a hard thing for me. I, at one point, I got a, a PhD that was very difficult. And I did not come out of that the same person that I went in. It was in the context of the challenge that I grew. If God is in the business of restoring our souls, and we think that that's going to happen without some level of challenge to it, I would suggest we may be setting a false expectation. God's not trying to vacation you into a restored soul. It, it can't, and it doesn't work that way. The restored soul happens when you wind up walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But the good news is you don't walk through the valley of the shadow of death alone. He says, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. And look at this. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. David is pointing to something here. He's saying, look, I am, I am so close to death, it's casting a shadow on me. But my attention is on you, and I get comfort by your rod and your staff. David here is speaking to a choice that we have. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you can look at the valley if you want to. Or you can look at his rod and his staff. One of them will comfort you, and the other will frighten you. You'll probably make it through the valley either way. God will guide you through the valley. But in 2020, you have a choice as to where you choose to put your focus. You can put your focus on the valley of the shadow of death. You can put your focus on, oh no, there's another dust cloud coming. You know, what will it be after that? You know, locusts and, you know, I don't know, the Great Lakes will turn to blood or something. You know, like, it feels like that, doesn't it? It feels like this is straight out of the Old Testament somehow, right? Like, we can put our attention on those things or 
we can be looking at what God is doing and the tools he's using in our life. What's a rod and a staff? A rod is to hold bad things away and a staff is to keep us on the right track. So we can be looking at what God's doing and if we do, that is a source of comfort for us in the valley of the shadow of death. But it's ours to choose where to put our focus and our attention. Let's continue. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So remember, David talking here, right? Now, what's David's grid for an enemy? Saul. That's exactly right. David's grid for an enemy is that he spent close to 20 years being chased around by a murderous king who was literally dragging his army after him around the desert trying to kill him. So like my grid for an enemy is probably like that, that coworker that's sometimes awkward to interact with, right? Or the neighbor who's a little snarky at me sometimes. Like this is not what we're talking about. David is talking about someone who is breathing threats of murder. And, and what he says is, he says this, it's mind-blowing. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So David has walked through the valley of the shadow of death with God. And you'd think at this point that God would send the enemies away and would say, David, here's your nice, peaceful, green pasture. Isn't that what, what I would want? Isn't that what you would want? Isn't that what we've probably prayed God, send the enemies away and bring me back to the green pasture. And what David says is he says, it's actually right in front of murderous King Saul that God prepares a table for he and I to eat together. Now, remember, Middle Eastern culture, there's no fast food happening here. A meal is not a 15-minute ordeal. A meal is probably a multi-hour ordeal at this point. And God does this puzzling thing where he says, you know what? I want you to get real comfortable fellowshipping with me right next to this guy who can't wait to kill you. Now, what's happening here in the reference to the psalm? Remember, it began with two things, right? Green pastures and still waters and paths of righteousness. The path of righteousness we discovered... (laughs) is walks through the valley of the shadow of death. What we're going to see here is food and drink. This is the green pasture. This is the still water. What's the green pasture? A table set before you in the presence of your enemies. That's where you're going to eat. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows, still waters. You want green pastures? You want still waters? Sometimes the way it happens is right next to your enemy who's trying to kill you. And we go, oh my goodness, God, that doesn't make any sense. But sometimes the lesson is that our intimacy with God can be so powerful that it makes the presence of our enemies irrelevant. Our intimacy, did somebody throw throw something? Yes, I'm so happy about that. (laughs) There's a Sockham inside joke, you can ask someone later. Our intimacy with God can be so powerful that it makes the presence of our enemies irrelevant. 
And when that happens, you know what happens? He anoints our head with oil. We don't just get, oh, I'm safe from my enemy. But we get anointed by God himself. What's, what's the result? Here's, here's what David exclaims, sitting at the table with murderous King Saul right next to him. Here's where he lands at the inside, at the end of the psalm. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. I'm not following them, they're following me. All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Intimacy and connection with God. 2020 is probably going to be a unique year for us. And I think it's natural to try to lean into God to get God to cancel how hard this year is instead of to walk with God through this year and be okay with the fact that it's a year of the valley of the shadow of death and the presence of our enemies. If you're trying to get God to cancel those things, you're probably not going to get the growth that you could have if you're willing to partner with God and walk through them. I want to come out of 2020 anointed by the presence of God. I want to come out of 2020 more with more than what I came in. And I think, you know, if I can even step further back from 2020 and maybe even further back than we're used to stepping, um, what, thinking about the course of our lives at all, I want to suggest something that's kind of crazy if you, if, you, if you track with it carefully. It's easy with our whole journey of faith to put too big of a disconnect between our life here on earth and the rest of eternity. Like, I don't know about you, but I sort of, I imagine that at the end of all things, God kind of control alt deletes the world, wipes the hard drive, and like starts from scratch again. And there's no continuity between this and all of that. But that's not the message of the Bible. It should profoundly shake us that Jesus has the same scars in his hands and wound in his side in his resurrection body that he had in his natural body. Jesus' resurrection body was made from his natural body. God didn't push reset and give him a whole new body. God takes the broken natural body and fills it with his life, and it is the filling of his life of the natural that brings it into eternity. It's easy for us to go, oh, this is 80 years that we have to put up with, and then we get divinely uh, appointed escapism. There's, we, we finally put the suffering of this world behind us, and eternity will be great. And when we do that, we miss the whole point. Eternity is not God pushing reset and making no continuity. Eternity is God burying the seed of this world in the soil of Jesus' work on Calvary. That's where eternity comes from. It grows out of that. And what that means is everything that we contact with God now, we carry for all eternity. We talked about crowns. I wonder if a crown might be 
contacted God in the season of the coronavirus. Coronavirus means crown. I don't know if you guys know that. Corona is crown, literally, which is kind of creepy and weird. Or maybe God inspired, I don't know, (laughs) right? What if our response to this year not only shapes the rest of our life, but shapes eternity itself? Just say that one more time. What if our response to this year, if this is the most unique year of our lives, it means that what comes out of this year, we will carry for all eternity and will shape eternity itself. I do not want to waste my time getting focused on the next hard thing. This is where I get the crown. I want to get that crown. Now, how do we get it? Well, we saw David said, it's your rod and your staff that comforts me. It's my ability to see and to track with you, God, and what you're doing that gives me what I need as I'm walking through this valley. <laughs> so here's, here's what I want to like, leave us with and, and challenge us to today. <laughs> How many of us have connected and talked with God and are clear about what he has on the table for us in 2020 and are purposefully trying to get it? No, I don't want hands. <laughs> it's a rhetorical question. Today, things shift. Today, depression is leaving. Mm. Today, fear is leaving. And you are stepping into the atmosphere of heaven now. The mindset of heaven now. So I break those things off. I break off fear. I break off depression. And I break off the mindset that says, well, this is just how it's going to be. It's over. It's the end. Today is the beginning where you are shining in full strength. And I speak over you the shining of God, Mm. the radiant presence of God where he is shining, you are shining. Mm. In Jesus' name. Yeah, Jesus, I just thank you for your love. I see his love is growing deeper in each of you I just release the fire and love of God over you to feel him more deeply than you ever have. And as you, I see pictures of you putting your arms out as you submit to the Lord and go deeper with him and let him in and feel his love more. As you do that, he's able to mold you more. And so I really see many of you are in a season of letting God just, you're just submitting. And I sent some of you have kind of been fighting like you're trying to submit and then you kind of give a little pushback and you're just fully submitting and melting into the Lord. And so some of you are feeling more heat in your body right now mm. and you're actually kind of feeling like your muscles loosen, like you're starting to feel a little more like jello. So just know that's the love of God mm. and he's going to be able to mold you more than he ever has before. Mm. And that's mm. exciting. 
Mm. All right. Um, I'd like to pray something. I prayed with Putty before the service. God is not wasting a pandemic. This is a season of transformation. He is transforming his church. So God, I just I just lose transformation. God, you are you are molding. I, I, I just had this insight that God was like we were in a Play-Doh machine and God was the force behind it and he was pressing us out in, into different shapes and different sizes than we than we previously were. It is a time of change. So so don't be fearful in the name of Jesus. Do not be fearful, mm. but but surrender to the work the Lord's doing. He's not blind. He knows what's going on in the earth. He, he is well aware and he is so, so intentional over us. He is, he is moving and molding and transforming us because we have to become what the world needs. You know, the world, the world it, it cries. The whole earth is shaking and trembling for the manifestation of the sons of God, the mature sons. So, so maturity is on, on God's agenda right now in Jesus' name. So I just bless you. Mm. You are all being transformed into a place of deep maturity, that you are going to rise as the sons and the daughters of God, and that you are going to be, you know, you're going to be demonstrated. You're going to bring heaven to earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm. I just feel like, I just need to release hope in the name of Jesus over everybody that a new hope to be to rise up in everybody's spirits. Um, I just keep hearing people ask, what is the hope? What is the hope? And he's saying, come up here. I'm going to show you my hope. I'm going to fill you with a new sense of hope. And I just feel a lot of joy. I've been feeling joy since I walked in this morning because this is a good season. He's mm. saying, I open your eyes. I'm going to show you the good in this. And in that, you're going to find a new hope. So I just ask, Father, that you just fill everybody in this room, even the kids, God, with just this new sense of hope. And when they rise up, they can put their feet on the ground and know this is a good day and that they would just have hope in their calling for you for this year and what you have for them in this season. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And just to, to bookend all of that right now, keep, keep receiving. I'm just going to add one last prayer, and then we'll, we'll conclude here. Um, I sense the Lord really releasing, I don't know another way to say it than this, so I know the language may connect with some and not so much with others, but like, like a real like warrior spirit. Remember, the guy who wrote the psalm is the guy who ran at Goliath when everyone else was running away. He ran at Goliath. There, there's a place in the spirit where we don't actually get afraid from challenges. We get excited about them. We go, oh, come on. I'm going to take down 2020. That's, that's what we do. And, and I feel that spirit rising in this room. And so right now, I just release that warrior spirit over you guys, that you would not cower in the valley of the shadow of death, but you'd look at it and you'd go, oh, I'm filled with the spirit of life. This is going to be fun. I release that, that you would not be victims, that you would be more than conquerors. And that when in the natural, everything feels scary and everything feels wrong, you grab five stones and you start running towards the enemy, knowing you're going to cut his head off with his own sword. I bless that to you guys in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.